laughing first. <laughs> we we live. <laughs> we are live. Hello, hello, cousins. Welcome to another episode of Redline. I'm Abby, your tax strategist. <laughs> I'm Christopher Bush, your financial advisor. Victor, hit us. <laughs> you can start for us, Victor. That's Hunter. How you feeling? Listen, I'm feeling okay. I'm on I'm on some type of medication, so forgive me in advance, okay? <laughs> Wait, you you can't just say you can't uh, come online and say that you uh, <laughs> you can't you can't just come on live and say I'm on some type of medication, right? It's, I hope it's, uh, I had, okay. Long story. I'll tell you that story another day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Redline. We are so excited um, tonight. We are going to continue with our last week episode, where um, Chris has done nothing but gave us some gems and reinforcing your financial um, castle and just making sure that you know you are protecting not just your portfolio but protecting your financial. Um, your financials, your retirement. I don't know about you. If you were here last week, welcome back. If you didn't, you missed a little bit, but we're going to make sure that you guys get some more, right? You ready for them, Chris? Yeah, I'm ready. I mean, I think it was a, you know, a good conversation um, that we started last week about overall just protecting, right? I mean, I think the biggest thing that people think about when it comes to protecting is, I, I guess we think we think about long-term. I guess we say retirement, but that may not be right retirement. They may be your financial freedom date. That may be whenever you want to have, start and have an income, right? Yes, uh, and I, yeah, and I just think about, you know, when we look at the times in the market where we're in right now, there's a lot that we can expect going forward over these next years, next six years, right? Um, when it comes to volatility, when it comes to uncertainty, and I, I think that we, you know, the better off that we have a well-rounded portfolio um, um, of a whole financial plan, it just makes things a lot better, you know. So, um, yeah, I want to kind of, kind of piggyback on what we talked about last last week. What what, what would you say for you that you kind of thought about from last week's show that? Um, that kind of impacted you. What would you say, Abby? I think what really made an eye opening for me was the fact that, you know, when I think of um, hedging my portfolio, I always thinking, I always think about, you know, sell calls, you know, I always think about make sure that um, my long terms, especially if I have some long terms leap, I want to make sure that, you know, I have some puts to make sure that um, I'm hedging my portfolio. I uh, I was never um, aware that there are other ways to protect my portfolio besides being um, being active, you know, 100 um, percent full time in the stock market. So the idea that, you know, some of some of the um, protection that you went over last week 
are even better than a stop loss. (laughs) You know, um, when we're looking at percentage wise, right? Some of them are are even more beneficial than actually putting a stop loss. If I'm looking at something that is for 2024 or 2025, right? And I have a 20% stop loss, I might as well hedge, right? In in the protection area instead of having that stop loss. So listen, it was more of an eye opening for me than anything else as a trader. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, um, you know, I, th- I think that's good as a trader. And then also, like I said last week, there's a lot of people that may not day trade. And I think this kind of brings to the next part of the subject to where you know this will carry on here in the future as well. And I think another portion of protecting is not about just protecting overall portfolio, but what we're really going towards when we're building wealth, we're in the accumulation phase. We're really focused on accumulation, accumulation so we can get cash flow. Right. That's a, that's the whole goal, right? At some yep. point, you say, "Hey, look, I want to have enough cash flow coming in so I can be financially free." So that's why it's so important to eliminate that volatility, so we're able to take out some of the downside um, of the market. So if the market goes to go down, we can actually overcome that and not have to overcome a twenty percent loss, a negative ten percent loss. Uh, we we can kind of manage that in the in the teens, right? Or yep. manage that from you know zero to ten percent. We can easily overcome that. Um, in the future, right? It's just when we get those double digit losses, that makes it tough, right? Oh yeah. One of I think one of the um one of the um protection that me and um Jolene was we were kind of like really interested in is the one that's unlimited, right? I know with one of them, you know, the percentage if if we're capped, the uncapped one, if we're capped at 150% and that um stock or that option goes up whatever 200 percent then we are capped of that so i really i'm really interested in the one that is uncapped right yeah, yeah. and um let's see i'm gonna, I'm gonna see you know uh, i want to pull up something as well as we're talking but the other portion of that guys is that when we're looking at our portfolio when i'm looking at say even for me um for my clients i was like i don't do i don't actually use a lot of cat i don't actually lose a lot of bonds position inside mm-hmm. of my portfolios right i don't use a lot of bonds as hey look let me just you know corporate bonds municipal bonds i typically don't do a lot of that in portfolios um what i try to do a little bit more of now is i want to make sure that okay well if i'm young and if i'm young and i'm really focused on growth i don't mm-hmm. want to focus on too much and only dividends right because again sometimes a great dividend producing etf or stock doesn't have the growth that we need Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, it also should be between a 10 to a maybe 15 to 20 percent of your portfolio, depending upon your age. So you can eliminate that volatility. So while the volatility is there, we still have that dividends that get, can be going back and reinvested inside your account to, again, balance out your portfolio as well. So those are the things that we got to look at. OK, how, how when we are crafting a portfolio. Right. How much of it should be in um, protection side? Right. How much of it should be into our, our, our dividend side. Right. And that's what I want to kind of um, discuss today um, is, is like, let's look at the positions where we can um, um, use some dividends inside. Right. So now, and that that's going to have a lot to do with with age. Right. So like if I'm looking if I'm 20 years old. Right. I'm looking yeah. to be a little bit more risk than than being 40. or um then or being 50 or being um 60 so if 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 we're in mid-age right what's considered mid-age these days is it 30 or 40 i would say mid-age 
What's mid age? Uh, I would say forty to fifty, right? Or yeah, I would say forty to fifty is kind of like that mid age. Would you? Would okay. you agree with that? Um, I, I, I I can roll with that. I can roll with forty. Because 50. I think right now, right, when you think about people's careers, right, I think like you don't really hit your true stride as far as far as income until you get closer to your forties, anyway. Right? Would you agree with that? I agree with that. I, right? I, 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 agree. I, I would say most business owners, right, don't mm-hmm. really hit their stride when it comes to. Um, income growth is like really their late 40s, 50s. If you look at the statistics and somebody can Google that for me, right? Somebody help me out, right? If you, if, um, you know, if you look at what, um, what age, right? What age range do you typically reach your peak earning potential, right? Um, especially as a, a number one, as an employee, then of course an employee is going to be longer, but as a business owner, like you see the, you know, you may be, go through that struggle phase, uh, for 10, 15 years or five years or so. But as you get older, you get more mature, more wiser. And, and then your your income really starts to grow in that in that 50s, especially when it comes to business. And, and it's so true that you say that, because realistically in business, until you start, until you hit the 10 year. And, yep. I, and, and I'm not saying that to this to um, this discourage you guys, but until you really hit the um, your 10 year growth and I'm and I'm talking about like substantial growth. Um you need a good 10 year. You need a good yeah. 10 years. Five years kind of like your test. That's when you yeah. know if you're still gonna stay in this or, or not. But <laughs> once you I really didn't hit I've only I've been in business for what? Let's see 20, let's see. I'm still using my fingers, y'all. I've been in business for about what 10, 11 years. And I'm gonna be hundred percent with you. I didn't really start seeing real growth until my eight year. Yeah. Until my eight year. So yeah, I would agree. I would agree with you. It's 40s and 50s for peak earnings. That's great. Yeah. So then at the age, let's just say, okay, I'm 40. We'll use 40s and 50. You know, how risky? Where, 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 right? Should I start looking at putting my money? Um, and we can be realistic and at the point of where too, you know, how do I hedge um, 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 my money and how much should I have, right? We also have to um, think about, you know, what a million dollar um, um, five years ago and what a million dollar looks like now is too different. It's too different. It's a different world. Yeah. And, and I think when it comes to your 40s, uh, I still feel that you still have to be aggressive, right? Um, in your portfolio, because well, let me take that back. <laughs> it's also basic, right? This is so so objective. Right? So it's also based on how much money you already have saved, right? So if you understand, if if you're again, a million dollars isn't a million dollars like it used to be. Like you need that, but okay, let's if we had to set a benchmark, I would say okay, let's say a million. If you're not at a million, your portfolio should probably still be a little bit on the growth side, no matter what your age is, right? Um, you know, um, unless you know, again, unless you are in your fifties and sixties. And you're saying, well, Chris, I'm, I'm having 100,000, 200,000. I really need to make sure, right? There's a lot of different variations, but just let's just think in the, from a general sense. Um, if you're in your 40s, I think you should still have an aggressive or a growth mindset on your portfolio. There shouldn't be too much about hedging things okay. um, per se. You can do a little bit of it. But the main thing is, is you got to focus on, hey, I need new money to go inside of my plan, right? Mm-hmm. It's always about new money. It's always about new money, right? And I think that people have to be on the offense more when it comes to their investment plan than versus on a defense. Right. And, and you know, in, especially in their 40s. Right. If you're under 40, it, it should be long term all day. Right. Of what you're doing. But that cash flow coming in to fill your bucket. Right. Um, I think a lot of clients always say, uh, what's a good what's a good dollar amount to start, Chris? I'm like, well, it really depends on you. Right. How much you have. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's that's what's most important. 
but I'm going to pull up. Let's look at the um, I'm going to pull this up for us real quick. Let's see if I can will it do this. You were talking we were talking about uh, cap. We were talking about on the protection side from last week. I don't think I covered it too deeply, but we'll go to it um, real quick on the uncapped portion of it. I think mm-hmm. you guys you were asking. Yes. OK, let's pull that up. I think some of you was in my DM too asking, you know, what about the uncapped? I was interested to know, too. <laughs> OK, yeah, so let's look at it. Yeah, and, and I guess, Vic, if you want to put the, the link to the show from last week that we were referring to, um, put that into the chat for us. Um, that'll be pretty good. All right, so let's look at this. See if I can pull this up. Screen share. Windows. Boom. All right, can you see my screen? Uh huh. All right, so yeah, so this is for now. Again, if you guys, if you weren't on the, if you did, if you didn't tune into us last week, um, I did a pretty detailed overview of what we're talking about on a protected side. So just for my people that weren't that weren't um, that weren't here, let's see if I can add a add a page like a blank page real quick, so not this. I don't have to um, go back, insert blank page. Look at me, boom, how about that? So so I don't have to draw back. So basically what we're talking about is that basically there's an, an account or a strategy that you're gonna run inside any type of portfolio, whether it's a, uh, a non-qualified account, brokerage account, or it's an IRA Roth rollover account, you just can't do it in like a qualified plan, like a 401k, um, right? It's just money that's again, an IRA or qualified account. So Basically, you can add, you know, a negative 10, um, a negative 15, um, a negative 20 or in some cases, even a negative 40 percent downside protection on inside your account. Right. So what that means is that let's just say that you have one hundred thousand dollars inside of a portfolio. Right. That you want to protect. And let's say that the market, uh, let's say that you choose, hey, I want negative 20 percent downside protection on my account. So mm-hmm. let's say the market actually did a negative 15% rate of return. Well, since since your buffer or your floor of your portfolio, right, is set at negative 20%, that means that it'll actually erase those negative losses of that fi- negative 15% of your portfolio, where technically this would have should have been around, right, $85,000, right, mm-hmm. if you would have lost that 15%. But it will actually erase those losses and credit your account back up to the hundred grand. Okay. Um, the second strategy of that, if you have, if you do choose a negative twenty percent buffer, your account does a negative fifteen percent. But if it lies with inside this buffer, like if it's not greater than twenty percent, they will change the negative fifteen percent loss to actually a positive fifteen percent return. So that at the end of the term, it would actually be one hundred and fifteen thousand um, dollars inside that portfolio. Okay. So what Abby was kind of talking about now is just understanding like just a little bit more in detail um, about the rates. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me just go here. Um, And again, guys, if you need like a a personal review on this, you guys can give us an email and we can set aside a time to chat one on one and I can kind of walk you through um, this strategy more detail. But um, basically inside of here. Right. You have right. You have different cap rates. Okay. So if you, you know, inside the portfolio, you can choose between to invest in the S&P, the Russell 2000, right? The MSCI, the internationals or the NASDAQ 100 or a combination of, right? So let's say if you choose the S&P 500 to where you want that hundred grand to go, if you choose a neck, you can choose a negative 10% downside protection, right? But your returns can be uncapped. So what that means that like if your port, like I think, so let's see. 
year to date, the S and P year to date is up what? Google that for me right now, Abby. What's the S and P up year to date? Nineteen percent, sixteen percent, seventeen. What is it year to date right now? Let's see. Somebody in the chat may be quicker than the time. Sixteen percent. Yeah, it's like 16%, right? So again, there's no cap. So if the market does a 20%, the market does um, 100%, it doesn't, whatever the market rate of return is, whatever the S&P 500 does over that six year period, it's uncapped. So whatever that return is, you get, okay. right? So the other thing is, but also what if the market goes in the opposite direction on the downside, then you're protected up to 10%. Okay. okay? But this is what I like about it, right? If let's, 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 let's stop, right? Let me stop my share and let me go to, um, Let's go to Google together because I believe if people if people if we don't Google together, people don't believe things. Right. Um, so let's go to how do I I need to share what screen with you share this screen. Uh, let's share this one here. All right. So we're going to go to Google real quick. Let's go to um, we'll go to we'll go to. Um, all right, and we'll go to historical returns. All right. All right, so let's see if we can, if this gives us a good chart to go through. All right, cool. This gives us a, good, a decent chart. Mm -hmm. uh, all the way back to 1928. Okay, cool. So look at this. So <laughs> when we're looking at even when I'm saying the, um, the, there's like a position to where, you can get 20% downside protection, right? But the only thing is over a six year period, the max rate of return that you can get from the market um, is 500%, Abby. Okay. Right? So it's not mm -hmm. uncapped, but it's 500%. So think about it. So, so and that's cumulative returns over a six year period. So when we look at that, right, let's just go from uh, one, two, three, four, five. So we're going, let's go back to 2000, we'll say 2017, right? 2017 to 2022. So when we look at that, we got a 19%, neg negative 6, 28, 6, 26, negative 19. So there's no, there, there hasn't been a period of time where the S&P over a six year period has really done a cumulative rate of return of five of 500%. Okay. So, so, so my thing is, yes, I can get uncapped rate of returns, but my buffer can only be negative 10. Well, historically, the markets never really did a 500% on the S&P over a cumulative six-year period, but I can get a actual um, um, negative 20% downside protection on my portfolio, mm -hmm. right? So that kind of makes a little bit more sense. Let me see if it goes back to it here. So then that would be a waste of time, realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, uncapped sounds great for marketing, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, personally, if I'm going to do any type of hedge in my portfolio, then I'm going to I'm going to I would choose a negative 20 percent. Mm -hmm. Right. And that way I, I'm still going to be in that range. See, look at here. Okay. So a 15 percent protection. That means if, it, if it's a 500 percent rate of return over a six year period, that means you're mm -hmm. averaging every single year. Right. Um, yeah. That means you're averaging the 83 percent rate of return for six years. That ain't that ain't happening. So why why only get the why only get the negative 10 percent downside protection when you can get what? We could get the 20 percent. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. OK, that makes sense. Right. At 500. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I mean, it just it just hasn't done it. Right. So that's what I love about this. But in combination to this, like I was saying earlier, um, is just I think that a great dividend strategy inside your portfolio 
should also be a huge part of, hey, how do I manage volatility? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually want to bring somebody on um, in a couple of weeks, I guess, Abby, because okay. I literally had two clients this week that talked to me about, hey, Chris, I'm retiring. One of mm-hmm. them, she's retiring. And she said, OK, I know I'm going to have money inside of a portfolio, but what about should I be adding you know, real estate? Right. Should I be investing into real estate for more cash flow um, to help me out? Right. And then a conversation came up. OK, so which is better? Or how should I, what the mix should be versus dividend investing, right? Mm-hmm. From the stock market and paper assets versus, okay, how much money should I put in rental income, right? To get rental income from from real, from physical real estate, right? What should I do? Or how should I do it? What should I, should I do both? What, what do you think on that? I mean, from a tax strategist perspective, how do you, how do you view those two scenarios and how would they blend in? Um, on a tax um, perspective, you can never go wrong with real estate. Yeah. You can never go wrong with real estate. I tell people all the time, the stock market is not really the biggest market out there. You have to understand the real estate market is huge and it has the best benefit. It has the best tax benefit if you know how to use it right. So So, I would I would say the real estate market. Okay, so so I think that's important because I think that if you're a W-2 wage earner, I think that's one of the easier. It's not easy. I can't even say easy. It's it's one of the ways that you can use. Oh, right yeah. to lower your earned income from a W-2 perspective, if you're a high income earner. Right. So I think that's where the dividend investing, if you're still mm-hmm. working versus real estate has a conversation is yeah. because what it can do for your tax perspective. Right. Correct. Not your not your income perspective. Not the income perspective. Correct. Right. So so t- can you, are, it, are you it could do it could do both, too. Right. It, it could do it could do both, too, depending on if you are continually with the real estate, because what we purchase this property. Right. And if we if we've made profit in this property, we sell it and we retake that profit and then repurchase another property, right? Um, we're not paying taxes on that income that we just, that capital gain that we just made from that property. So if we continue with the game plan, right, of real estate, then it is the best tax benefit. But for long-term um, cash flow, it can be. Okay. So now, and I think that's just maybe maybe we asked the chat, like, what what do you guys kind of think about um, as far as it, or do, do some of you guys have um, a scenario to where you want to invest in real estate? Though is that, is that something that you guys think about as a part of your portfolio, or you say, hey, look, I'm strictly paper assets? Like, how, how does that look for you guys? I'm just curious if anybody's in the chat on that. That's um, I think that's just an and important again, conversation. Think of, it, think of it as well too. Um, it's not just where we're getting money. It's not just how we're making money. It's um, what we doing with the money we make because yeah. then the tax perspective comes in, right? So um, I always tell people is money is not meant to stay still. So if you're making that money and it's just sitting somewhere, if it's if it's if it's sitting at a you know preferred tax, okay, then that's good. But if it's just sitting there, then you're going to be taxed on it. And not only are you going to be taxed, you're going to be taxed high on it. So it's not just um, making paper money is not, it's, 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 it's not enough, not for tax wise. It's not. Okay. So you're, so you're so you're saying that at some point that people need to have some form of real estate inside of their portfolio Say that again. Anyone with income. Other than that, then you also you then you need to look at into okay, are you going to invest into startups? Are you going to invest into other things? So my biggest thing is that 
paper money making investing in only paper is not enough not for tax purposes okay so now you know again this is and we have an open conversation right yeah. so so for you and your for your clients right that you help do you do you go do you recommend or go when you go through their tax plan do you recommend them do real estate when it fits or like how does that how does that work for you or is that something that you talk to them talk them through it all depends on how we're, it all depends on if we're looking at a high tax liability so yeah. when we do tax planning tax Tax planning, and we'll definitely go through tax planning probably the month of September. But when we do tax planning, tax planning is pretty much a projection, right? So what are we doing is we're taking all your financials from last year, and we're taking um, your financial for the current year up to what six months. So six months, six to eight months. We are in August, right? August would be eight months. So if we're taking your last year and your this year, what we're projecting is what is the end of December would look like. So if we can project by the end of December, what your numbers look like, then we have at least six more months or five more months to plan out for the rest of the year. So let's just say my clients that we're looking at, oh, you have a high tax liability. And with that high tax liability, you've already put some out. That includes all the deductions that you can deduct, um, all um, the S&Ps, all the um, um, preferred tax that you can, um, your 401k, your Roth, whatever, your regular IRA. Now you just have cash. And we're, whenever we have cash, we got to find a place to put that cash. Well, we're going to be taxed on it, right? So if we have a goal for a tax rate, let's just say the goal is 18% or the goal is I want you to be between 12 to 20% on taxation. We're going to talk about what's the next best thing. And I'm sorry to say the next best thing. I'm not sorry to say, but the next best thing is real estate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to uh, highlight somebody's comment. He says the interest the or someone says the interest is too high the high now right yeah the interest is too high but we have cash right okay so, so well, 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 well i guess back back before you say that i mean so do you do you feel that mm -hmm. interest rates are too high when it when in on mortgages and real estate right now i don't think it's too high go back to what interest rate my okay i want you guys to to we we've been in a roller in an amazing um uh wave the wave, we're coming out of this wave. Um, you have to understand the idea of having an interest rate of 2%, 3%, 4%. Those things didn't exist. Realistically, an 8% interest rate is a good, is not a bad interest rate to be in. I think what happened is because after COVID, we've, we've, is the word spoiled okay to use? Yeah. I think we've, we've, we've got spoiled to the point where now the idea of a 6% interest rate is a high interest rate. The 6% interest rate is not high. Yeah, I know when I, when I bought my first home in 2007 or going my into 2008, mom was, was six and a quarter and I thought that was a, a cool deal, right? Y'all see my screen here. When we look at interest rates, right, again, yeah. over the 30-year rate for um, United States average is 7.74 from 1971 to 2003, right? right? So so it, it, I pointed that out because I think it's an important conversation to have. So it, it's not just that really, yes, it's higher than we would record that we would like. However, if let me back back. I think it's it's maybe a little bit higher that we're used to if you're buying a personal property. Exactly. Right. Not because the, your home that you live in isn't an asset anyway, because it isn't the produce income. It's a liability. Right. Liability. You're paying a bank note on that. 
So so I think that when we're looking, when I'm thinking about an interest rate, when it comes to investing, I don't really, I don't, the interest rates is important, but it's not as important. I want to make sure the other numbers work out because if I'm buying a home, right, that's below market value, if 50% below market value, then I'm going to take it at 7%. Why? Because now my after repair value of me renovating the property, I'm going to get that money back and refinance and take it from me, right? So it's so many different strategies that you can, that you can use. So that's where, when it comes to investing in real estate um, as a, 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 you know, as a business, not really your personal residence, the interest rates are not as important as to do the numbers make sense. Um, and, I'm, you know, either way, it, it can be single family, it can be multi-units, either way, but I think it's a, it's a solid place to have for, again, more protection from your overall portfolio. I would really say this. If you have money that you, if you just have money that is just sitting which I'm really allergic with the idea of just having money just sitting somewhere. If you have money sitting somewhere, I truly believe in the idea of instead of paying IRS a 24% on that income or even the highest of 37% in that income, why not invest? I literally had this conversation with my 18-year-old earlier. Um, I said, okay, you are in college. Besides your major, right, you need a skill set. I think every yeah. college student should have a skill set. And she says, you know the skill set that I'm about to do? I said, what? She said, I'm going to take, take my real estate exam. And I said, why? Because she says, even when I make all this money, right, I need to be able to invest it into something. So by having already a real estate um, license and um, getting into the real estate um, um, world is an eye-opening. So. Yeah. I'm, I will never be the person that will tell you, I'll never be the accountant that will tell you not to get into the real estate. Um, my dad, my dad literally worked his nine to five just so he can actually invest in real estate and it done him really well. Yeah. And and and, and again, I think it's both. Like for me, I do both. Right. Cause I know that, Hey, and and I think that's where some people kind of get discouraged with real estate because I'm looking at, uh, well, again, this is uh, all, this is like client stuff. So this is, I'm not saying I'm recommending what I'm about to show you, (laughs) but I want to, um, uh, I want to sh- I want to show you this. So this is a company. Now, again, guys, this is this is for educational purposes only. Do some disclaimers. I'm not recommending this. This is just again research from, from clients, right? But I just thought it was pretty cool because you know she doesn't she wants to do real estate. Um, however, she doesn't know where to start, right? So there are different companies that do turnkey real estate, meaning like they have a company that will help you buy the home, renovate the home, um, get renters. They'll do all the property management. They'll do everything for you. And you own the asset. You're not just getting like a a quote unquote preferred rate of return from the real estate holdings that they own right themselves. No, you actually hold the property. So there's a couple different companies like a um, what are the different? Hold on. I got the company's names that that do all this. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Okay, so companies like. And again, this is a whole nother show too, but like uh, Roofstock, Howard Hanna, or Norda Real Estate, REI Nation, Rent to uh, Rent to Retire. Those are a couple of companies that kind of have turnkey um, real estate offerings. But we were one of my clients. We were actually going through this. This is let me kind of. This is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Let me show this. This is cool stuff. All right. So she was, um, you know, she was saying, Chris, I, I'm looking at doing some property and she was on um this site called rpc invest okay again i'm i haven't done a whole bunch of um uh, due diligence on this so guys this is not a recommendation uh but uh, so we should be just looking at the numbers right because we'll take for we'll take this one let's see there was one here we'll take this for instance right 
this property here. They have a whole portfolio on it, right? So it says, hey, look, on a 30-year mortgage, right? Assuming um, the first loan to value of 75%, so meaning that they're putting 25% down, Abby. 25% right? down? 25% down on the property. So the down payment would be about 69K. Okay. Right? So with a down payment of 69K, they break it down, homeowners, be like they, they're really detailed on this site. And this is what I like. Uh, they have like all the full for prom, for. Uh, pro forma on the full deal, but it's saying on the low side, rent range is about 2300 on a high side, about 2400 So okay. for you to have an asset for putting 70K down, it's going to be producing an income between $225 a month to about $517 a month. Okay. That's not right? bad. Not bad. Right. So, That's but I think sometimes income. when we, right, and this is where people have to understand real estate, it, it all, it all boils down to how many doors you have, right? One door doesn't look that attractive, right? When you mm -hmm. put 70K into a property on a down payment, boom, and your rental income net to you is $500, it's honestly not that exciting, okay? But that's where you have to start to build your portfolio over time because not only that, like you said, from a tax perspective, it works works well, but also the equity in the property that also builds, okay? So what I'm really cognizant of, it says, where is that, where is that point to where it makes sense for somebody that needs to drop 70K into real estate and get a income, right? A dividend okay. income, a cash flow of five hundred and seventy-one dollars. I always look back and say, okay, what if I also, what if I had seven seventy thousand dollars and I put that into a portfolio? Could I still get that same dividend income from it? You can, and this is why it's it's important to be diverse. Yeah. It's important to have a diverse portfolio. We're not saying to just use, right? We're not saying to just um, um, put your money just in the stock market. We're saying be diverse to where because. There are some days where, you know, the stock market is not all great throughout that year, but your real estate could be. So you want to balance. Balance work, balance is so important. We all know yeah. it's not good to have all of our eggs in one basket, right? So um, I definitely say do both. Yeah. And I, and I was listening to another uh, show earlier today and he was discussing about, you know, we all think like there's this magic wand. Of a, of a financial plan that there's a one perfect way and there's just not, there's not. right there's so many ways that you can utilize so many strategies and things that you can do um to build a portfolio and that's what i want to kind of talk through with you guys on real scenarios and what i do with my clients is okay when does that make sense yeah. right um so the person that brought me this they have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that they said cash that they can do something with okay mm -hmm. So he's like, I just don't know what to do with it. I, you know, he has an emergency fund. He's contributing to retirement account. He's has all that for the kids, but he has this 150 and he was looking at real estate and um, he was really shocked to where, you know, him putting down this 70 K that it would pretty much get him about $500. I mean, he just thought that it would be higher. It, he was like, man, I don't know about that now. Yeah. Right. But I had to let him know, you got, you know, there's other parts of the strategy that make it worthwhile. So I just yeah, think when well, y'all are looking at your portfolio, I want you to make sure that you're going over this part of it. And this is a pretty cool And I can, I can agree with him because let's be realistic, right? If we put $70,000 $70, on NVIDIA, well, we're going to leave that alone. <laughs> but if you have put if you put $70,000 in the stock market, I'm just sour about Nvidia, guys. I'm just yeah, sour. What we talk, you know, I, Okay, okay. This is this is totally off topic, right? Uh, y'all saw. I mean, we 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 typically knew that. I don't know. Maybe we didn't. Maybe how like 2020, but okay. We we saw the writing on the wall a little bit to where they should be. They should be expected to beat beat you know beat earnings and stuff, right? I mean, it was. Yeah, I'm still it was, sour. I'm still sour. Yeah. I text Mark this morning at um at 11. Uh, what time did I text him? I text him at 11, 1152. I said, 
I said, uh, you playing NVIDIA today? And he said, you know, I don't play earnings, LOL. And I said, uh, I know, but I, um, this could have been, been an exception, right? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to where no matter where you're at yeah, and what time frame, there's always going to be another opportunity in the market. And okay. I think that's where I want people to really get, get a hold of, you know, if you miss one play, don't feel like it's, that's, it's, it's over with, there's going to be another one. And yeah. that's what I love about this industry is that when you get the knowledge, you, you, you dig down deep into what you're doing and investing and how things work, you have the proper people in your corner for assistance and guidance and help, man, it, I mean, the wealth journey can be so much easier. And the biggest thing that you have to focus on is income, yeah, right? Build that capital. Yeah, it, it's, it's straight capital, right? It's straight how, capital. How, do, how do I grow that? And I think that's the hardest thing for people to um, to come about. But things like NVIDIA today, I mean, that was a that was a wealth transfer in itself, right? I mean, up, 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 up to eight, eight or nine percent after hours, right? Oh, my God. Like 511, 515, it ended with 515. But we'll leave that. But you know what? Just like you said, there's always going to be other other opportunity. But that's in all market, not just the stock market. You know, yeah. um, in real estate, there's going to always be another opportunity. So our goal is just build that capital. Focus on I always tell my clients, like, you guys are so focused on taxation but you don't even have the money yet make the money then worry about taxation exactly. you know exactly. <laughs> if yeah. you make the money trust and believe me we we can figure out the taxation but yeah. um, focus on building your income focus on especially during that time during the time that we currently in now i would say focus on building your income um yeah. find ways to create passive income and not just you your children i i know i'm big on my daughter like listen figure it out because yeah. at 18, that's when you need to start figuring some things out. Some yeah. things out. But I think, I think that's an important topic, too. Like just um, our relationship with money. Um, I'm, I, people hear me say a lot of times I'm not big on budgeting. Um, and that's not that I don't budget or not that I go through it. It's just because I want most of your brain power, 90 to 95 percent of your brain power when it comes to money should be focused on offense, focus on making money. Right. You can decrease, decrease so much, but you know what your electric bill, light bill, food bill is going to be. So you only can decrease so much to where you're not living a life that you want. So I want people to really focus on, OK, I got to not just focus on lowering my expenses. I got to focus in on increasing my income. But the only way that you can increase your income is by increasing the value. Value that you add to the marketplace. So if you're not able to add value to the marketplace, you're not able to increase your income, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I, so I, I think that part is important. I think Mark, what, what did Mark talk about some of this on the yeah, show earlier? He did. He did. Last, <laughs> no, no, no. Earlier this week, right? Is that what his show was yeah. on? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I can watch that too. So I tell people, listen, built, built wealth, make this money, right? Um, focus on building your capital. And then, you know, once you make that money, then Abby will help you worry about the taxation and, and Chris will help you worry about where to put it. Yeah. So I, I just want to, just before we close out, I know we're at our time, but I want to, I know we got a few viewers on live now. Uh, if you guys have any questions, we normally, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but I want to kind of go through a little question and answer. Um, mm -hmm. Does anybody have any questions on, you know, anything that we talked about over the last two, two episodes or anything in general and any scenarios, um, put that into the chat with us. Let's see if we can kind of answer some questions before we leave. Um, of any money course. I, I wanted to kind of go to the audience today and see how, how we feel and see what engagement we have. Don't be shy, guys. Ask, yeah. ask, ask those questions. <laughs> ask those Wait, questions. Because so, I didn't check the email. Did you check the email? Um, Let me pull up the email real quick. I did check it last couple of days. I did get an email 
from, oh, look at me. I'm about to say somebody's name. Okay. It is a long one, but I, I can answer that. I can answer that. I can answer that. Let me pull it up real quick. And you guys, it's probably going to be best if you guys do have email, even if you guys have a question, even if it's a tax question, right? It's, it's okay to actually send the email to our email instead of sending it to our personal. Because what I don't want to happen is for it to get lost in our personal email. Okay. So the person had a question in regards to trading under an entity instead of trading under your social security number. All right. So when it comes to trading under an entity, um, what IRS really states is that you want to make sure that you are a profitable trader, right? Um, and that you are a full-time trader, so not an investor. Um, so if you are looking into trading under an entity, I highly recommend that you go over publication, and I'll put this in here for you guys. Go to over irs.gov. I've done it before, but I don't mind doing it again for you guys. Tell you what publication you want to go to irs.gov and review publication. Well, at least it'll come up. Let's pull that up for you guys. Let's pull up that publication. I want to make sure her question is answered. Yeah, you want to go over publication 429. 429 will explain to you what's the difference between an investor and what's the difference between a trader. And what you want to make sure is that you are a trader and not an investor. Uh, let's see. Okay. Can you guys see my screen? Not yet. Let me know when you can. Yeah, not yet. Not yet? Okay. I'm guessing. Okay. Well, let's go to here. Um, yeah, while, while you while you pull yours up, um, another question was uh, let me see if I can show this one. That mm -hmm. saw. What do you think about buying land? Um, I oh, think it's I, I think it's a great idea with land. Um, so it, it just as long as you have a plan, right? And I think that's where the execution kind of stops sometimes for people because there's a lot of things that you can do and regulations that you have to follow um, about getting it zoned and everything. But I think land is a good opportunity. But then you got to figure, okay, what do what can I do with that land, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, guys, I'm in Mississippi now, so there's um, a lot of beachfront property in my area, right? Uh, that I feel like a lot of investors outside of Mississippi would enjoy. You know, so the land I think is between 100 and 100,000 to um, 250k, but it's a great beachfront property. So the plan would be to build up on it uh, and and um, build houses for rental income. Um, or for second homes for people that are out of state that want to be by the beach at a lower cost than paying three or four or five, six million in California, right? And you can still have the blue water, ocean, everything right at your fingertips for a half a million or less than a million dollars in Mississippi. I mean, people don't think about that, but there's beautiful places. So I, I do think land is a place, again, it all boils back down to your overall portfolio. Uh, we can see your screen now. Okay, perfect. Okay, so if you guys can see my screen, it's so important if you read the first line, um, let me scroll down real quick. So what IRS pretty much is saying to answer your question is um, an investor typically buys and sells security 
and expect income from dividends, interest, or capital appreciation. So as an investor, your whole mindset is what, right? To obtain income from dividends, interest, or capital appreciation. And you're holding these security, right? For a long time, for a long period of time. That's what IRS is seeing you as an investor. You're not conducting, um, you're not conducting a trade or a business. So um, that's what an IRS eyes or an IRS mindset that IRS consider you at. But when it comes to a trader, IRS states that, look, if the nature, see, IRS says, if the nature of your trading activity doesn't qualify as a business, you are considered an investor and not a trader. So it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a trader or day trader or scalper or swinger, you're an investor. So if you want to know what would you be considered or how you can be considered um, as a trader, these are the rules that are followed, right? You, you, you must seek to profit from a daily market movement, right? Um, and the price of securities and not from dividends, interest, or capital appreciation. Your activities must be sub- substantial, meaning you need to trade about 740 trades a year. That's about three to four trades a day. Um, you must carry the activity um, regularly, meaning you need to be at least in the stock market for four hours um, or more daily. Um, Now, when it comes to the circumstances, um, your typical holding period, um, you need to be holding your securities less than 30 days, Um, the frequency and dollar amount of your trades, um, the extent to which you pursue the activity. This is my favorite one. It must be for livelihood, meaning your this is not a hobby. This is a business. You know, you you are actually trading um, to produce income for a livelihood um, and the amount of time that you devote to those activities. That's how IRS now sees you right as a trader, not an investor. So I highly recommend, you know, review publication 429 so you can identify um, which one are you. If you are an investor, it's okay. And you can be both. You don't necessarily have to only just be a trader. Um, my portfolio, the portfolio that I day trade in is under EIN number. Um, the portfolio that um, I invest in is under my social. So you can be both. The only thing IRS says is that you want to make sure that they're, they're not in the same account. So your day, your day trades cannot be in the same portfolio as your investment trade. All right. Um, hopefully that answers the question for her. Um, and I think Mike also have a question for you, um, Chris. Yep. So free yeah. portfolio. Yeah. I mean, I'll still, I'll still go over portfolios. I don't charge for portfolio reviews or anything like that to go over. Um, yeah. Email LinkedIn me. Yep. Um, another person said, uh, what do you think? What do you, what are your thoughts on REITs? Again, I, I think it's, it's REITs are cool. Uh, is it, it fits into a portfolio. Again, if you're, if you're, fo- if you know that you're in accumulation phase, you're not in, you're not in the place where you need to be capitalized, mm-hmm. then I think you're more, more best to say, Hey, look, I need to focus on more growth. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just getting a bunch of dividends because again, you can get dividends, but if your portfolio isn't overall growing, right. From appreciation, it's, you're still not reaching your goal. Right. The whole goal is, you know, you should be focused on growth to a certain period of time to where you have enough money then to go buy dividend appreciating assets that produce income. 
But if you just buy a whole bunch of dividend producing companies, right? People say, oh, I'm going to get AT&T. Well, AT&T, the overall stock hasn't grown in like 10 years, right? So yes, it pays a, a, a decent dividend, but your money has not grown. You got, right? The dividend doesn't, right? Outpace what a growth stock should be. Like, uh, again, if you had NVIDIA, if, Held it for the same time. It's to- two totally different outcomes, right? Maybe it's the new Tesla, <laughs> right? Um, but again, that's, that's also <laughs> going to push some of the other companies up um, as well. So, so uh, again, it's it's there's yeah. a lot of option in the REIT space, but I want you guys to understand. Like, I feel like most of you guys are in the accumulation phase, so yeah. it should be growth. It should be growth, right? Um, I, I agree. Let's right. let's build that. Let's stay in the offense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Let's be in the offense and build that income. Let's build that income. Uh, <laughs> um, any other question? They said, "Oh, really?" Uh, AT and yeah, AT and T What's the chart? Yeah, the chart is horrible. Um, AT and T could stay right there. Yeah. So I'm, let's see. I'm trying to tell y'all, Nvidia is the new Tesla. Come on. <laughs> Me and you both, RB. We both are in the accumulation phase. <laughs> All right. Let's say Nvidia pays a small dividend. Yeah. So, I mean, we got, again, so we got a lot of good stuff. Um, we got a lot of good stuff. So I just, I, hopefully that helps um, for you guys um, tonight, just going over everything. And I'm going to dig down deep and like some real illustrations. And I want to bring like a real estate expert on here, Abby, to really talk about like multifamily units and investing. Cause I really want people to understand, um, you know, a good comparison of paper assets to real estate. You know, I think one of the very first books that I read, uh, was cash the crash well, the very first book on wealth that I, I guess I would say was uh, actually the the millionaire real estate investor you know that big blue thick book yep and then a second one was a millionaire real estate agent the guy that um, that that um, that started Keller Williams right I think that's who wrote that book okay. Okay. but then I then I've read rich dad poor dads and cash flow quadrant and I think I'm really I'm, I mean I'm still a firm believer that you got to get good at two asset classes right you know you got paper assets commodities. Uh, business or real estate. And I think that just overall, you got to have a, a, a really great paper asset portfolio and a really good business, or you got to have you do really good at real estate and then you have, a, you know, you're decent at commodities. Like, I think those things are super important to have and you got to get good at least two asset classes minimum. I mean, that's just the, the start. And then you can always grow and work your way up from there. Awesome. Very good. So guys, don't forget, if you guys have any questions for Chris and I, um, they're going to put the um, email um, in here for you guys. Definitely um, shoot us an email um, and we'll definitely answer these questions in here for you guys. Don't forget the month of September, we will definitely be discussing tax planning. So make sure that you are pulling up your tax return from last year because we're going to go dig it is is time for that i mean it's about to be september and then we only got november we're towards the end of the year and we can't wait to the end of the year to do a tax plan right if you need to do something you got to figure out and do it now you got to do it now you got to do it now so i am working with our clients um we're working with 200 so i'm trying to get all of the clients out the way once i get all the clients out the way i'll be a little bit bit free but um yeah tax planning will definitely dig so you guys would know what to prepare for for next year. Not only that, but to have an idea of what your projection looks like. Okay. Well, I thank you guys so much for showing out tonight. Um, Thank you again, Chris. Listen, gems all night, gems all night. Um, But thank you for, um, for showing out tonight. I hope to see you guys um, next week. Um, I'm Abby Joseph, your tax strategist. I'm Christopher Bush, your financial advisor. And thank you for showing another episode of Redline. We'll see you guys next week.
do. Like, we're 